Welcome to the Creative Empire Podcast. Each week, Raina Pomeroy, the life and biz success coach, and Christina Scalera, the attorney for creatives, are taking you up close and personal with successful influencers in the creative community and tackling your biggest business hurdles. Their mission is to help you, creative entrepreneurs, think beyond your daily biz so you can make the brave decisions that build your creative empire. Welcome back, Creative Empire listeners. Reina and I are joined today by Aaron Kelly, who is the co-founder of Member Vault, which is the perfect tool to boost engagement, learn more about your audience, and make selling easier. She is currently, maybe we're going to get into this, living full-time in a 30-foot RV with her husband, her 19-month-old son, and her rescue hound pup. So if you are thinking about your journey and how it maybe doesn't all align just yet. I hope that our conversation with Aaron is going to shed some light on why it doesn't always have to. Aaron, welcome to the show. We're so excited to talk to you today. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about what's going on in your life because you did not follow a linear career path by even entrepreneurial standards, (laughs) which sometimes has those ebbs and flows. So can you just give us like a little bit of a background as to how you got, basically how you went from more or less a VA to OBM to mom, and then now you're a software as a service provider. So how does all that happen? And like, did you always have these ideas? Give us some background on how your journey unfolded. Yeah, so I kind of have a crazy uh, background story, I guess. I have hopped around a bunch of different things. You know, I'm a communication major. I got a job in New York City working for Disney Publishing, which was amazing, but I realized the corporate track was not for me. Uh, So after two years of doing that, I realized I really wanted to see where I fit in the world, right? So, you know, in your early 20s, you're kind of exploring what really feels right to you. So I did the retail thing for a little bit, then I did dog walking, and I fell into doing web design. So that was actually Mike, my husband, that was our first business together is we had a web development design company for small businesses. And so we did that for quite a few years, and it allowed us to travel all around. Uh, We lived in a 30 foot yurt for a while did the homesteading thing. So I dabbled in blogging and through blogging, I started experiencing the entrepreneurial bubble with coaching and, you know, all of the the opportunities that are available there. Uh, I actually never was a VA. I went right from blogging and business coaching to OBMing, uh, thanks to Adrian Dorison, who was my coach at the time. And I, you know, I was feeling really frustrated as a business coach because I was like, you know, I talk about all these strategies with my clients and they get really excited and they're super motivated, but then they have a hard time implementing. I heard about, you know, the OBM possibilities. And I was like, this is perfect. I can help them with the strategy and make sure that it actually happens. And I was brainstorming with Adrian and I said, you know, what do you think? Do you think I should transition into that? And she said, you know, I'll be your first client. So I was like, okay, then this is obviously the way to go. So that's how I kind of fell into becoming an OBM. I was book solid pretty much like the first month that I put my shingle out. It has been a journey for the last two years, two and a half years of being an OBM and Member Vault, of course, came through uh, being an OBM for Adrian. So just in case people don't know what an OBM is, can you break it down for us? Tell us what it stands for and what is it, what's the difference between an OBM and a VA? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, people a lot of times are confused. So an OBM is an online business manager. They're basically the second business brain for your business. And they're different from a VA in the sense that usually they only work with a handful of clients. Uh, in my case, I typically only work with a maximum of three clients. 
And I was really, really deep diving into their business. Like I knew all the nuts and bolts, like very much. I mean, I know for Adrian, I worked with her for over two and a half years and it very much felt like my business too. Like I knew everything that was going on. I knew all the tools that we were using, who was on our team. And I made sure that all of the balls stayed in the air. Things didn't fall through the cracks. Whereas a VA, a virtual assistant, typically is someone that kind of comes into your business and, and handles things that you delegate to them. But you typically have to follow up. They're usually working with a bunch of clients and it's just a different sort of relationship. Yeah, I'm glad you clarified that because it's funny how many times people ask me, what is VA? What is OBM? Which is a lesson to me every single time it's asked because how often do at least I take for granted the fact that people have this, what I would consider basic understanding, but then I forget it's not basic. It took me probably at least a year to figure out that VAs even existed. So it's kind of funny because I know this is kind of a tangent, but I've been thinking a lot about this lately. VAs, OBMs, you know, whatever service you have, we take it for granted because we inundate ourselves with the other people that are in and out of that every single day, whether you're a calligrapher, photographer, OBM, whatever it is. And you take it for granted that everybody already has an OBM. They don't need you. Everybody already has a calligrapher. They don't need you. And then we remember that there's so many people out there that don't know what these things are. They don't even know they exist. They don't even know how we could be helping them. And, you know, it's our job and our duty to break out of that saturated market and find the holes where people do need us. I just, sorry, I'm like super passionate about this. Because <laughs> I stayed up until way too late last night creating a guide about like really cool, weird, unique places to find clients based on this exact thing, like not the not knowing and, and like realizing that other people don't know and, and going back to those early stages of business. So it's so interesting that you were willing to basically take whatever jobs that you wanted to or that you could out of college. And then this kind of fell into place with Adrian. It sounds like a great opportunity. One of the things that I've noticed about really great hires in big businesses, it often starts with somebody like you mm-hmm. and that's what builds the business. So I know Adrian relied heavily on you and this is the first month that you guys have separated for very good reasons because both of your businesses are just kind of exploding into new directions, but it was scary for you. So can you talk a little bit about how you made that scary decision, especially with another baby on the way? Right, right. I know. (laughs) Well, it's definitely been an extremely emotional journey because I, like I said, I've been working with Adrian or I was working with Adrian for two and a half years. Like we felt talking multiple times a week, like, like very, very, very much involved in each other's lives and businesses. And so the thought of like not of cutting the cord there and not being involved in her business as she goes in this like amazing, exciting new direction was really hard. But I also recognized that Member Vault needs me and it was time to make that transition and step into a new journey for myself. What does that new journey look like? Because Member Vault isn't necessarily new. It's been up and running for, you know, a, what, a year and a half now? And what helped you decide, like, what were some of the factors that helped you decide to take Member Vault full-time as your profession? So it has been running for a year and a half, but very much on a beta sort of like evolving and as we go bootstrapping experience, you know, we, we are completely self-funded. And so very much working with Adrian and working with some of my uh, clients that I was mentoring that were becoming OBMs, that really has funded Member Vault to get to where it is now. And it's at the point where it's ready to step into becoming full-time income for both myself and Mike. Uh, and so I had to make the decision, do we want to bring someone on full-time to support Member Vault or do I want that person to be me? And obviously, like, I love Member Vault and everything that it stands for. 
and I think it has a huge future. And so I thought, you know, I, I just realized this is the time that I need to step into being that co-founder role. I'm curious too, how this has really impacted, you know, just the decisions, the number of decisions that you've really made over the past year, how your personal life has affected it. I know you've been in a camper. Is that like the right term? I'm sorry. I mean, just homesteading and all of that and traveling all, all over and, you know, having a, a little guy and being pregnant, like just a lot of life changes happening too and making big business decisions at the same time. How, I mean, you said that it was like an emotional journey, but tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so uh, we have been full-time RVing for almost a year now, uh, which has been amazing. And one of the big reasons we did it was uh, I'm from Texas and my husband is from New Jersey and we live in Washington State. Uh, his family moved out to Washington State to be close to us, but my family still lives in Texas. So we weren't getting to see them very often. And I think anyone that's listening that also has kids, like it's hard when you are far away from family and you really want your kids to know their grandparents we made the decision like if we can basically winter in Texas and spend the rest of time in Washington, like wouldn't that be really cool? We actually have jobs that would allow us to do that. And so we, uh, we experimented with it. We jumped in and we've spent four months in Texas. I'm actually talking to you guys from my parents' house in Texas and they've gotten to hang out with my little guy for longer than they've ever gotten to spend time with him. And it's been really, really cool. So that was a huge success. It has been chaotic and uh, stressful and <laughs> quite the, the juggle to keep all of those stuff, you know, all those things going and progressing in terms of the business, but it's been totally worth it. Yeah. What are some of the things that, as far as traveling full-time, what are some of the challenges that you have faced that have been unexpected? So it's really funny. We thought that the internet was going to be a huge issue for us. Um, and I think that's a really common thing for people that are considering going full-time on the road that have internet jobs. You know, they're like, okay, how is this going to work? But that actually has been you know, I'm very picky about where we stay. Uh, we are limited. Like, We can't go into the middle of the Redwoods, uh, obviously, because there's no internet reception there. But for the most part, we've had as fast internet on the road as we did in our subdivision when we lived in Washington. So that hasn't been a problem at all. It's more the life stuff. Like, so for example, every campground that you go to typically has a laundromat, but they're not always really good laundromats. So a lot of times, you know, you put your stuff in and you have this schedule maybe in between calls and you're like, okay, I'm going to go throw my stuff into the dryer, but then the dryer doesn't work. And so when you go to get your clothes, like they're still sopping wet and it just like adds, it adds an additional layer of stress and extra time. And, and of course money too. I mean, it's quarters, but they add up. So that, you know, having to learn new grocery stores, all the comforts of home really aren't there when you're traveling full time because you're always in a new place. I'm like such a stability gal. I always get the same things at the grocery store. I always go to the same one. And I would like, that would drive me bananas. But I feel like there, there's a reason why you chose this, right? Like to be able to be closer to family and all of that. What are some of the perks of being on the road? So I love exploring new places, um, but I'm also a homebody, which has always been kind of a struggle because it's like, I love traveling, but I also really love being at home. So this has been kind of an amazing thing. You're like a turtle, like you're bringing your home with you. And so you get to sleep in your bed, you have your clothes, you have your shower, like, you know, it feels very comfortable, but you're also getting to see really cool new places. Like we've stayed in some amazing campgrounds. Uh, one of the ones that I absolutely love is in Gold Hill, Oregon. And it's just it's just gorgeous. I mean, beautiful trails that you can go walk on. You know, it's right next to a river. So like you're sleeping right next to a river. And it's just, you know, that sense of, of getting to explore things in your life while you're working and raising your kid is really cool. So that's, I think that's like a huge, huge perk of the, the full-time living. And then obviously 
being able to travel and be close to both of our families has been really cool. Yeah, I, I definitely like the way you're doing it better. If any of you listen to the show for any length of time, you know that Joe and I, my, my partner and I, we travel around the country as well, just not as glamorously. We have retrofitted our either my Jeep Grand Cherokee or his Toyota Tundra into our travel vehicles. So it's funny because we like his better because there's a full-size bed in the back. So secret, if you have a truck, it's really easy to build a platform that has compartments underneath and like a bed on top. And Joe's like dying to make a tutorial for anybody that wants to see it. He's like all in Pinterest now. So anyway, I will say that there's lots of different options for different people. And like what we had to find was that I'm like Reyna where I'm a stability junkie. Joe wants to be everywhere all the time. So our compromise was getting a place in Summit County, Colorado that we could rent. And then we have a home we own in Atlanta. So we go back and forth between those two home bases because secret, like Atlanta has the biggest, best airport in the world. I'm not biased. That's like legit. <laughs> but anyway, so we can fly in and out of anywhere we want to, and I can meet him all over the, the place. But it's, it's kind of funny. I just bring it up. Why are we talking about this when we're supposed to be talking about re-engaging clients? Well, because part of this is the lifestyle that something like Member Vault or something like just having a better communication line with your clients, your customers is allowing you like what it's allowing you to do with your life and just kind of giving you guys a behind the scenes of what it looks like to actually do the thing that you are maybe dreaming of. If it is RVing, if it is just like traveling for one month out of the year, Raina took a sabbatical to Japan for six weeks last week. I think it was six weeks last year. So this isn't just a podcast about like, okay, how do we get more clients, make more money? Like let's do this thing. But also the life side of things is really important. And so if we can give you guys a little bit of a glimpse into that, I'm happy. But I do want to switch the conversation and kind of check back in because we wanted to talk today about how to re-engage your list. So can you, Aaron, talk to us about like, what the heck does that phrase even mean? It sounds like Latin to me. It sounds crazy. What does it mean to re-engage and like, what kind of list are we talking about? A to-do list? Like, what are we talking about here? <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, we're talking about an email list. And I think that a lot of people have some phobias, some fear, a lot of shame around their email list, either because it's too small or they haven't emailed it recently, or they feel like they're sending out into the void and nobody cares what they're saying. Or maybe like the, the only subscriber that's paying attention is their mom or their boyfriend or their husband. There's a lot of uh, negativity around email marketing, I think. Um, which is a shame because it's actually a really, really great way to open a conversation with your audience. And so even though Member Vault is a content platform or not an email marketing platform, I believe really strongly in having a strong, engaged email list because if you're putting content out and no one's opening your emails, it's going to be a struggle to actually connect with those people. So having an engaged list, you know, really feeling comfortable with what you're sending them is kind of like the core of business in my opinion. Yeah, it's important for sure. But a lot of our listeners are like at the point where they maybe have signed up for a MailChimp account and that's about it. So can you talk to us about, is this something they should be doing from the beginning? Like, is this going to add to the overwhelm? Or, you know, is this something that can take something off their plate eventually if they just set it up correctly? Like, what does this actually look like? I guess, practically speaking, and how hard is it to do? So, you know, obviously, when you start looking at email marketing uh, gurus online, they, they span from the beginner advice to the super complex, explode your brain, even myself. <laughs> I'm reading some of the strategies. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I think that it goes, it spans the whole gamut of, of easy to implement to 
oh my gosh, I need to hire someone to do this. So, you know, if you're just starting out, you have a MailChimp account, you have like maybe five people on your email list, if that. I do think that it's good to get started now just because you're going to be building a little bit of a comfort bubble around sending stuff to your email list and kind of developing your voice. I think that that's something that people really resonate with is when you don't try and like follow a template with your email list, but you actually just, you send them something like you would talk to them person. And that really does, especially now, I think people are going to be becoming more jaded and cynical in the online space. And they want to just know that you're a human and that you're talking to them as a fellow human. Yeah. Another thing too, I feel like with emails is that a lot of people, one, it's really hard to kind of get into to the rhythm of sending emails. So people are like, well, if I can't even do it, then I'm not going to send, try. And then the second thing, what I think you're saying is like the personality and coming off as salesy and all of that stuff. And I think in, in terms of that, I, I'd be curious to hear what your, Christina and Aaron, what your thoughts on that are. But I think for me, emailing and once I got into the flow of it, it's been the most engaging, interesting conversations to be able to also like showcase my personality and showcase the way that I want my brand to come across in like, I get to control that the most, right? It's the way that I get to pop into people's inboxes and, you know, respect that space that we take up. So I'm curious what you guys think and like how, how you go and do that instead of feeling salesy every time you pop into somebody's inbox. Yes. I love that you have gotten into your flow and you found your voice and you sort of mentioned that you have control over it. And that is, I think, one of the big strengths of email marketing. Um, And you hear this a lot, like unlike social media, where it's like Facebook is changing their algorithm like every week uh, with email marketing, you actually own your list. You, You actually have a lot more control over how you're engaging with them and who's seeing it, right? So that's really important for your business because when you're trying to sell something, you obviously want people, the maximum amount of people that are interested to see it. So I think that when you're first starting out, it's it's great to just start sending stuff. And like you said, it's it's a great way to open that communication, see what people respond to. Like you can, I love it because I get replies to my emails and people are like, oh my gosh, me too. Or like, I love this, or this was so helpful. And it really does motivate you in your business uh, to keep going and to explore and, you know, test out new subject lines. And it's, it's fun. It can be really fun instead of overwhelming. Yeah. Emails are something that I always like a year and a half ago. I don't know. I wish I could pinpoint the shift, but a year and a half ago, I was just kind of staying up, you know, it'd be Tuesday, I'd be like, oh, I really need to get that email out tomorrow. It's Wednesday, you know, like everybody's on their computer on Wednesdays. Oh, it's Wednesday. I need to get it out on Thursday. That's the last day because Friday they're all like clocked out. And so it was like every single day, I would just drag my feet to write these emails to people. And you really, I mean, I can't underscore enough that to you guys out there listening, how Sometimes just subtle influences in your life can change such big things. And Aaron is partly on the show because, I mean, it's our show, so we get to choose. But she was such a huge influence in helping me understand the power of email communication as just that communication. So what I mean by that is instead of dragging my feet, Aaron helped me to see through Adrian the shift that I could make, that I could have an open-ended conversation at the end of every email, that I wasn't just sending things into the internet void and like hoping people opened it and like going to check my stats at the end of the week. Instead, she gave, she gave me permission to survey my audience with every send, to send them things of value and tag them with things like you know, their interests so that I can segment them for future lists. She gave me the 
just kind of crash course through doing, you know, just watching how she did it and then watching Adrian do it. So it's really phenomenal because if you want to grow your business, if your business is in a place where you feel like it's in a plateau, which is where I felt like mine was, I didn't know how to reach more people. And the key wasn't that I needed to reach more people. I needed to serve the people that were already on my email list more effectively. So it's not going to be effective to send out a calligraphy freebie to the photographers on my list. They don't want that. So instead, what I'm able to do is every week I send out some kind of sneaky little survey. And this week it was actually really obvious as I recorded it. It was like, you know, tell me what you are. And I gave them a lot of valuable content before that to engage them so that they would be excited to respond. And so far, I, I mean, I just checked my email. We already have 76 responses to the other question, not even like the first four options people could choose. So that went out like an hour ago. So it's just this really cool thing where I now have people segmented onto the list that they've self-selected. And the other way you taught me how to do that is by we use active campaign just like you did for Adrian and I can tag people. So what I do is I put a blog post into my email and it's some kind of value for a certain group. You know, maybe the blog post is like five ways to get photography clients. Guess who's going to be clicking on five ways to get photography clients photographer. So I can tag that as a photography interest or as photographers and then follow that up with, hey, are you interested in photography? Because if so, and getting clients, if so, I'm going to do a Facebook Live about this. And it's, it's something that I seriously thought was so hard to do. And like even an active campaign. And then when I just started doing it, I was like, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> I am not just speaking into the void. So anyway, all that's to say, that's on the one end of things. Now we have resources like Member Vault, which you guys can go and get exclusive, not just a 14-day free trial anymore, but an exclusive invitation to Member Vault where you will get a free account. And you can get that at creativeempire.co forward slash member dash vault. So make sure you head there, grab that. But what, what can we do now with this free account? So not only is everybody listening, like all of you are on the hook now for being more responsible with your email list. But like now you're on the hook for taking it a step further and Aaron's about to walk us through how to do that. So what do we do once we have that account? What can we do to help continue that engagement that I'm talking about? Yeah. So I love that you brought up tagging. I know that that's really overwhelming and segmenting. It's really overwhelming to people, especially if they're just starting out. But like you said, it felt really impossible that once you started doing it, you're like, this is really cool. And it really gives you that sense of control and knowledge about your audience. So Member Vault takes that a step further. So with your example about putting the blog posts for photography people with Member Vault, uh, you can actually track what people are doing inside of your content. So let's say you have a photography course that's for free. It's like a three day or maybe it's a three day challenge for your photography business and like how to take better pictures. You can actually track like, you know, has someone completed it? Have they, you know, gone and finished half of it and then disappeared? And you can send them really relevant emails based on tagging. So it's almost like, you know, you're like in their brain, like, you know, what's going on that they've disappeared. They've, they've consumed the first two modules and then they, they fell off, which is very, very common. And a lot of times people just need a reminder. They need a, a little, a little poke, like, Hey, go in and make sure you do module three because it's going to teach you how to do this. And that's all they need. But with most tools that are out there and with certainly if you're delivering it via email, you don't have any of that knowledge. So you aren't able to send those personalized emails 
that feel like you totally get your audience. Yeah. So, I mean, I think one of the biggest struggles with, with this is like, I don't even know how to tag. I don't know what I'm supposed to be tagging for. Like, well, it's great and nice that Christina and Raina, you know what you're doing in there and you know what you're doing, but like I have a hundred people and I don't even know what I'm supposed to be tagging for. Can you walk us through like what we should be? Okay. Let's, let's pretend that we are talking to a wedding photographer who is starting her list or maybe has a hundred people. Walk us through what she would be tagging for, what kind of content she might be sending and to engage or re-engage her list? Yeah, that is a great question. I'm glad you gave us a scenario. So if you're a wedding photographer and you have a really small list and you haven't ever really experimented with segmenting or tagging before, uh, Member Vault does all that automatically for you once you put your content in there. So you don't have to worry about manually doing anything. All you have to do is come up with a, a fun freebie for your list. So what I would recommend is going in, getting that forever free account in Member Vault putting in, you know, an opt-in that you think would resonate really well with your audience. So stuff that your clients are really looking for, whether it's a checklist or a challenge or some resources for them, it doesn't really matter, but you can stick it inside of member vault, send your list and say, Hey, I just gave you access to this really cool thing. And then they're going to actually sign in and start consuming that content. And member vault will tag their actions for you. So you don't even have to worry about it. It connects to your email service they will be tagged inside of your email service with, you know, completed the, the, the opt-in or, or, you know, got halfway through, didn't finish it, answered quizzes, you know, all of the stuff that you can do inside of Member Vault, they get automatically tagged. Like we've kind of been talking about, it can be really overwhelming. So I don't recommend automating anything to start. I say, just go into your email service and be like, hmm, okay, I think I'm going to send an email to the people that completed my opt-in and give them a next step or invite them to a private workshop or invite them to take a survey or get on a discovery call with me or join my free group. Like it's totally, there's the sky's the limit and you can have a lot of fun with it uh, versus feeling a lot of stress and fear and like dragging your feet around it. And when you say email service, what do you mean by that? Is it, how do people know if they have an email service or not? <laughs> uh, I'm glad you asked that. So an email service would be something like MailChimp, uh, Active Campaign. Convert kit. So for the tagging, I think that MailChimp is starting to add that functionality. I haven't really played around with it. So I don't know the extent to your capabilities with MailChimp. Um, but honestly, I tell everyone to go to Active Campaign once they have started their business because if you're paying for the, the paid version of MailChimp, it's going to be the same price for Active Campaign. A lot of times people think like, oh, you can do all these things with Active Campaign. It must be really expensive. And it's not. It's super reasonable. And you're not going to feel limited like you will with MailChimp. Yeah. And I'll just share my journey with MailChimp and Active Campaign. I'm currently on Active Campaign, but I was on MailChimp until like, I think it's free until 2000. So we went almost to the end. Like I think once we had like 1,500 people, we were starting to think about where we were going to move to. So I think that once we got to 1500, it was like evidence that we knew how to use our list and we knew how to, you know, send out content. And then we decided to start paying for active campaign. So if you are at the point where you're maybe not quite ready to start paying and you're really not sending content, I don't know. My, my personal preference was to wait a little bit um, because I, I wasn't doing anything that was needing the robust stuff like tagging and automations. So if you're ready for that, cool, do active campaign. I've been, I really loved it from the beginning, but I think that's something to consider. So. Well, I'm glad that you gave that site because I was thinking the last time I looked at MailChimp pricing was that they started charging you once you did autoresponders. And if that's not the case, 
Yeah. They got rid of that, I, I think. They probably did because they probably were losing people yeah. uh, because that was why I was like, if you're paying and if you are doing autoresponders, which most of us should be, because someone signs up through for your list, like you want them to automatically get whatever they ask for. You know, if you're paying for that, then you might as well go over to active campaign. But if you can have 2000 people for free, like, yeah, I would definitely go with Raina and say, go ahead and, and wait until you're a little bit more comfortable with your email list. I'm always surprised at the big companies that are still on MailChimp. I actually love MailChimp. I'm a little biased because they're in Atlanta and like, you know, I've met people that work there and they have this really cool building. They're in Pond City Market, which is like amazing. If you're ever in Atlanta, go to Pond City Market. But yeah, so I actually, I really like MailChimp. Everybody poo-poos them, but I, I do. I think they're a great starter option. I wouldn't have been able to build my business, you know, but for the fact that they let me do that for $10 a month with their automation back in 2014, 15. So like email automation is just something that you have to practice. Like one of the biggest misconceptions, and I'm sure there's people out there that will disagree with me, but funnels, email automation, segmentation, everything that you're telling yourself as a story in your head, which it is, it's just a story, that that's for somebody more advanced than you, or that will happen when you have XYZ first. Those are the things that I wish I had implemented earlier that I'm obsessed with now and honestly, I screw them up all the time. Like, you don't even know how many, I'm sorry, you didn't get your free download emails I'm sending because I like messed up the automation trigger or something. So the point is just to get out there and practice because every single time you get out there, you do something, you go, you set up your free account with Member Vault, you check it out. You're like, this looks really cool, but I don't know how to use it. And you just like practice and try to use those things. Every single time you do that, you may just be really frustrated in the moment, but what you don't realize is that you're actually, you're learning really well. It's important for you to just continue to put yourself out there and try and practice because there's lots of people who will tell you that they can teach you this stuff via online courses and they're not wrong, but I've found that what's more effective than spending money is making money and practicing and trying to do it in the process. So yeah, anyone looking for that magic bullet, that's <laughs> just practice. Actually, I'm going to pop in because yeah. Aaron was a superhero in my business when we transferred over to Active Campaign. Do you remember this, Aaron? You oh, were I on. Do. Oh my gosh. So you I think I told this story. <laughs> we'll tell your version of it because I wasn't actually there. But Aaron really saved us from our email apocalypse of 2016, which we talk about in my business quite frequently, actually. I don't know if I want to tell the side of the story. Well, you can just tell like the short version, I guess. <laughs> no, I mean, it, I think that it kind of comes back to what Christina was saying in terms of the don't being scared of having the oopsies because we all go through that. We all accidentally send something to our email list. Uh, so you guys moved over to Active Campaign, which I was super experienced with at the time. I'd worked with a bunch of different clients and yet I feel like you were cursed. Like everything that we did was like some elaborate complex, why is this happening? Let's emergency contact active campaign. I felt so bad for you guys because, you know, I'm like, no, active campaign is awesome, but like they're really not being good to you right now. So I think that it really is. It's staying flexible, knowing that, like Adrian always says, like we're not creating oxygen. And I think that's a good thing for all of us to remember is that we all make oopsies. I actually have an email uh, folder in my inbox where I save oopsie emails from everyone, uh, both for inspiration, but also a reminder that, 
even the huge, huge, huge business owners that have been doing this for like eight plus years, they send oopsies too. Like it happens to everyone. So yes, you had a rough start with Active Campaign, but I'm glad that you like them now. Yeah, it's smoothed out quite a bit. But I think my my point in bringing it all up is that we didn't do it alone, right? We brought you to help my team kind of onboard onto it just because it was a little bit more complex. And I think that just because I'm a business coach doesn't mean that I know everything and it doesn't mean that I'm I know all the back ends of technology, which I definitely profess not to know. So I think just knowing that there were people like you who could walk us through this and like knowing that there was a resource out there was really, really valuable. So that's all to say that like we can't all do this alone. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it is really helpful to choose tools that have really good support as well. So if you can't afford to bring someone on to help you move over, knowing that the tool is going to help you. So Active Campaign has chat. Uh, Member Vault has chat. My husband is like always, always manning that and super helpful just to, to help ease your transition because it is scary when you start using something new. That's crucial. <laughs> I mean, I'm my own IT person and I'm constantly on chat. Just last night, my website went down. So that's kind of a big deal when that's the way that you make money is you have an online store and people go to your store and they purchase things. So, you know, it was, it was interesting because I use Shopify and I was able to jump on the chat with Shopify and I was so relieved that unlike other shop platforms, so I was on Squarespace before, which is a great starting point, but this is why you switched to Shopify they were manning the chat at all hours, like you said. And, you know, they didn't have like, oh, sorry, it's after 10 p.m. Eastern. So bye, good luck. <laughs> you know, we'll get back to you in the morning. That, that would have been really devastating for us when we see a lot of sales overnight, especially from countries like Australia and New Zealand. So with that being said, I think it is important to look at, at the things that you, know, you maybe don't need immediately. And that's part of why I've been moving away from like these VC-backed startup companies that I'm investing you know, as a software or anything because I just see you, forgive the like connotation, but like the mom and pop business owners have been so much more helpful, so much more eager and helpful when it comes to any kind of solution that's needed. So they have a, you know, you guys have a lot more flexibility with your kind of course management platform than say some VC backed startup does because you don't have to go through three departments. Your husband is a programmer. He can make the change immediately if it's something that needs to be made. So I think there's a, there's a huge advantage to working with somebody like you on a smaller level, which is why we've had both you and your husband on the show. Once again, if you just want to check this out, make sure you go to creativeempire.co forward slash member dash vault. It's member vault is a software. You can also just search Creative Empire's website for member vault. So Aaron, what would be like a good starter project for somebody to go in there and use this free account to do? Like, what do you recommend? Or do you have like a guide where somebody can get started? What's like a good little kind of maybe first step if they just have an email list and they're trying to build it, um, but it only has like 10 people on it and they're trying to just kind of serve those 10 people well? Yeah. So that's a great question. The way that we've structured our forever free account. So again, it's not a free trial. Uh, you Once you sign up for that free account, you'll have it for as long as you want it until you upgrade or decide that it's not a good fit for you. 
And so it's a really great place to start playing around with how you can use Memberball in your business as it grows, uh, similar to like what we were talking about with MailChimp. So a really great starter place, and this is why we structured it uh, in the way, the way that we did with the Forever Free, is it's exactly like our paid plan, with the exception of it's limited to two blocks of content versus unlimited content. So what I would recommend is putting in something free, whether, like I said, a, a PDF or a challenge or uh, just a, like my favorite resources with a link to uh, you know your Facebook group if you have one or a way for people to kind of continue that conversation with you. And then the other block of content, what I would recommend is putting one of your paid products or services in there so that when you give access to your email list and you say, hey, come check out this free thing that I just gave you, they'll also be able to see the pay thing that they can work with you on, whether it's a paid course or your discovery call link or a program that you're thinking of running and you kind of want to pre-validate whether people are interested, you can put anything in there. But I would recommend putting something free and something paid and giving access to your list. So you think free email courses are still, or free courses, I should say, do you think they're still converting pretty well and, and getting people interested in, by converting, I mean, like getting people interested enough to exchange their email for your free thing? Like, do you think that's more effective than say a PDF or a cheat sheet or anything else that people are creating these days? So I think that one of the things that converts really well in terms of people being really interested in it is uh, swipeable files or something where they can take it and immediately get uh, some kind of result from it. So if you have something like that, that you can create for your business, like for example, we created 52 emails to engage your list and that's our tripwire, uh, our low cost offer. Uh, people love it because it's swipe files. Like they can just copy and paste those emails and use them. So if you can create something like that with your business that makes sense for your audience, those work really well. However, I do think that courses can still be really good if you have a really good topic and you don't overwhelm people. So a lot of times people make the mistake of packing their course full of too much content uh, and then people get kind of overwhelmed and they drop out. So I think that that's why we see a lot of courses have such a really, really low completion rate. Whereas if you're thinking about, okay, I want, and we've worked with a lot of learning designers where their recommendation is to like make it smaller, 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 like maybe 5% of what you think your course would be. That's what you should do. So interesting. Yeah. It's just so interesting. This world of online courses is definitely shifting and I'm in two different masterminds. I'm in a pure mastermind and a uh, paid mastermind. And in both of them, we're noticing the shift towards smaller results-based trainings where it can be done in an afternoon and it gets somebody a really specific result. So that's really interesting that you, you guys have paid consultants, it sounds like, and are finding the same thing. We're just amateurs over here trying to <laughs> surmise things up out of nowhere. But I could talk to you literally all day and I've just been very selfishly loving catching up with you. But if you were to look ahead to the next five years of Member Vault, what would that creative empire of courses look like for you and, and how would you be serving people during those years? So what we are really moving towards is just continuing what we've been doing that has working really well, and that is communicating with our users. So we have a user Facebook community that is very active, and we're always asking them, you know, what do you wish that we could do in Member Vault? What do you like about it? What do you don't like about it? And honestly, asking for feedback is really hard, and I think we all can appreciate that as business owners because we, we have these like perfect little babies that we've created, and we don't want anyone to say anything bad about it. But it's so helpful to get feedback. So I think that over the next three to five years, keeping that as very much a core of our business where we are always going back to our users and saying, hey, what do you wish that could do? Like, what could we do better? And getting that kind of 
Somewhat, sometimes negative feedback, but then using it to improve the platform and really just being of service to our audience, uh, I think is really going to be what will make us uh, an empire. I love that. I want to just underscore what you said there, Erin. You're talking about serving the people who are already there. Obviously, you're going to want to bring more people in, but making the platform better for the people who are already there can be a really powerful way to continue to grow. So bravo for that. And I'm so excited to see what, you know, the next couple of years are going to look like for Member Vault. Tell us where can people find you, find, you know, Member Vault, where can people connect with you? Absolutely. So they can go to membervault.co. That is our website. We are also, like I said, we have a user group that's super active. We're in there every single day. So if you sign up for a forever free account, uh, you'll get an invite immediately to join that group and come say hi. And we're always available also on chat. So like, that's a great way for you to ask questions and see if it's a good fit for you. Well, thank you so much, Aaron, for coming on. I hope all of you are able to go out there, engage with your audience and build your creative empire. Are you ready to build your own empire? For more information, show notes, downloads, and tips on how to do it, head to www.creativeempire.co, where you can find out more about this week's episode and the two lovely ladies behind it all, encouraging you to build your own creative empire. If you enjoyed this week's show, it would mean so much to Raina and Christina if you could take two minutes to go to iTunes and leave a review. It's a little thing that makes a big difference for the show. 